Who loves the word of the Lord today? Amen. All right. Let's turn to the word of the Lord. I'm gonna, to the word of the Lord, I'm going to ask you to meet me at Psalm 55. Take your Bible, your device, whatever you have. Meet me at Psalm, the 55th Psalm. I want to introduce you to someone this morning. <clears throat> I want to introduce you to what I'm going to call the butter and oil man. My guess is that you already know him or you already know her. But before I do, before I introduce you to them, I want to remind you of something that you probably already know or that you have heard, and it's this. Tough times, difficult times are not meant to define you. They are meant rather to refine you. Oh, that got such a great response. <laughs> Tough times, difficult, mo difficult moments are meant to define you they're not meant to define you. They are meant to refine you. What you go through is not meant to define you. It is meant to refine you. So here's how I want to frame this. Listen carefully to me, please. Have you ever been in that situation where you shared some confidential information with someone and possibly even personal information about yourself and you even possibly ask for confidentiality only to discover that the person that you shared with then freely shared your information with others. Has that ever happened to anybody in the room? Okay. There are a few things in life that are more unsettling, more disheartening, discouraging, more angering, more annoying than to experience betrayal. And that's why we're going to give that person who betrayed you a name today, and it's the name that King David gave to his betrayer, as we say in, as we will see in Psalm 55. Please allow me going forward to use the masculine form to represent either male or female, and, um, and then you apply this to your own life experience as you see fit. The person who is a betrayer, we're going to call him the butter and oil man. Say that with me, the butter and that is essentially the name that David gives to his betrayer, which we see in Psalm 55. Look at verse 21. His speech was smoother than butter. I don't know where that came from. But his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, and yet they were drawn swords. So here's what David tells us about a betrayer. Speech smoother than butter, Words softer than oil, but a heart that is at war, and those smooth, soft words are like swords that are drawn. David has met him. I've met him, and my guess is most of you have met this butter and oil man as well. I was speaking by phone this week with my sister who, who lives in another city. She is older, much older than I am. <clears throat> Hopefully she's watching. She is wiser than I am. She's smarter than I am. And she is much more articulate than I am. And all of those are reasons why I, I treasure our conversations. She and her husband are very seasoned and successful business people and, and have spent decades dealing with people. And we were just catching up. We hadn't spoken in a while. We were catching up. We were discussing that experience that comes to most of us that have any, um, any measure of life journey behind us. 
that experience of thinking that you know somebody really, really well. You, you really know them. Maybe you've, maybe you've shared many experiences together. Maybe you've worked together. Someone that's been a workmate of yours for a long time. Possibly someone you've fellowshiped together with in church. It's someone you've fought battles with. Um, someone that you've laughed and cried together. It's someone possibly that you've experienced both heartache and triumph together. And through all of that, you felt like you got to know them. You know how to uh, expect their reactions. You know how their what their responses are to the various uh, acts of life and the eventualities of life that come. And you, you, you've built somewhat of a confidence that possibly you share certain things that are in common with them. You, maybe you share certain philosophies of life or, or values of life that you share in common. Biblical principles and understanding of biblical principles. You share that in common. You feel like you know them. You don't necessarily agree on everything, but you embrace where they stand and they embrace where you stand as you've walked together possibly for years or, or, or decades. But here's the circumstance that I think we've all run into. Given the right situation, given the right environment, Given just the right life components, you discover that the person you thought you knew and knew so well also had it within them to be someone else other than what you knew. There's nervous silence in the room. Has anybody in the room ever met the butter and oil man? Okay. His speech, smoother than butter. His words softer than oil. But you find out his heart is at war. And those smooth, soft words are like swords that are drawn. How do we deal with the butter and oil man? How do we deal with betrayal? Let's see how David did it. Back at Psalm 55, verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and, and am surely distracted. Verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy. How many of you have ever had that situation where you really feel like you're hearing the voice of the enemy louder than you're hearing the voice of the Lord? Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. These words from David, these very strong words from David, are all the result of betrayal. Words spoken about him from someone he thought was on his team. The thing that is critical to see about this psalm is this. This response we see from David here, it wasn't an issue of what was said. It was an issue of who said it. It wasn't the content of what was said because he doesn't even mention what the content was. We don't even know what was said. The issue is who said it. For David gives indication that his butter and oil man was very deceptive because it was someone who he had determined to be his friend. Look at verse 12. 
for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, for then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me and has exalted himself against me. Everybody knows how much he can't stand me. He's put it on Facebook and everywhere else. It's not him. Then I could have hid myself. I I could hide myself from him. No. But it's you. It's you. It's you. A man my equal, my companion and my familiar friend who... We who had sweet fellowship together. We went to church together. We walked in the house of God in the throng. We, we, we shared our, the songs of ascent as we went to the temple. You sang the melody, I sang the harmony. Remember, it's you. Let death come deceitfully upon them and let them go down alive to Sheol. For evil is in their dwelling, in their midst. Whoever this was, This was someone David trusted and it was thought he knew well. So, Bethesda, who is your butter and oil man or woman? It's the person you thought you knew. It's the person you thought you could trust. It's the person you confided in and yet they shared your information with others. It's the person who promised to pay you back. Yeah. It's the person who said they would never say a thing about what you told them in confidence, but they did. It's the person who said they would do the work on your house for a good Christian price. Dan, you gonna go there? Mm Mm-hmm. A good Christian price, and you still have only half the project completed because of the good Christian renovation that just took place. It's the person who said, oh, you'll be invited, and you weren't. It's the person who said, you will be my maid of honor, and someone else was. It's the person who said, oh, I'll call you back later, and never did. And it can go much, much deeper than that. That's the butter and oil man. His speech, smoother than butter. Their words, softer than oil. But you find out that there's war in their heart. And those smooth, soft words that you believe you drank the Kool-Aid are like swords that are drawn. Doesn't have to come in large betrayals. It can come in small betrayals. But the hurt and the pain can be the same whether the betrayal is large or small and it goes deep within your spirit. Not because of what was said or promised. It's always more important to know who it was that said it or promised it. And David shares this very human circumstance with us in Psalm 55 when he said this, it would have been easier if it was from someone I expected it from but it comes from someone I never, ever dreamed would do this. You and I call it getting blindsided. There is a principle I've mentioned many, many times that applies to lots of situations, and it certainly applies here this morning, and that is this. Hurt is proportional to intimacy. Say it with me. Which simply means the closer you are to someone, the deeper they are capable of hurting you and the deeper is the wounding. That's why a person from someone on the street or someone I don't know who wants to yell at me or whatever, that will be forgotten quickly. But just a certain look from Miss Becky Sue and I am undone completely. How many husbands can give me a witness to that this morning? You're being very cautious, gentlemen, as you raise your hand. Becky doesn't have to say a word, just a look tells me the whole story. 
And that look will have more impact, impact on me than even profanity from someone else that I don't even know. That's because hurt is proportional to intimacy. David is saying it's not what was said, it's who said it. Another translation of verse 12, the message says this, this isn't the neighborhood bully mocking me. I could take that. This isn't a foreign devil spitting invective. I could tune that out. It's you. We grew up together. You, my best friend. Those long hours of leisure as we walked arm in arm with God, a third party to our conversation. Now, none of the commentaries are sure who exactly is David's butter and oil man. The best guess is Ahithophel, David's most trusted counselor, He's the one who sided with Absalom, David's son, when Absalom was being so rebellious. That's the best guess. There are no specific stories that we can link from Scripture that affirm exactly who it could have been. We are left to assume that this is merely about an incident that is not uh, recounted in the historical books. But regardless who the butter and oil man was for David... I have to believe it was important enough to the Holy Spirit to be sure that you and I had access to this psalm for what it's worth to us today. And further, I have a sense that this is part of God's curriculum that he gives to his people. You're not going to like that part. I think it is a curriculum that every one of us have to go through at one point or another in our lives. Why do I think that? Simply because I have way too many conversations with many of you to not recognize the pattern here and that it happens to most all of us. Too many, too many conversations to not recognize that you've been through the class on butter and oil. And as much as we may not like it, this curriculum of God is necessary to help us learn what to do when betrayal comes to us so deeply. And it seems to be necessary to grow us and to prepare us for all that God has in mind for us. Think of Joseph. How did God prepare him for the destiny God had in mind for him? How do you teach one of the youngest of 13 brothers how to lead as second in command of the most powerful nation of the planet? How do you teach them? What, what will prepare them? You and I would send them to a leadership academy. You and I would have them read lots of books on becoming a great leader of a nation. But that is not the preparation that God gave Joseph. He said, no, no, no. Here's your three classes, Joseph, that you're going to take. Number one, you will be betrayed by the closest people in your life. That's class number one. Class number two, you will be accused of something you didn't do and cannot defend yourself, but you will still have to endure the consequences of it. That's class number two. How many are ready to sign up? Class number three, you will be promised something that you really need, and the person who promised that will not come through for you. In fact, they'll literally forget all about you. And God essentially says to Joseph, this is your course study that I will use to put you in the position of being second in charge of the planet. Much different than you and I would do it today. We have no betrayed by your brother's class here at Bethesda. We have no falsely accused class here. We have no promises unkept class here. The last time I checked, our Bible schools and seminaries do not have any classes on these subjects. But this is the curriculum that God puts Joseph through to prepare him. To prepare him. To prepare him. Prepare you. I did learn to swim as a kid, like every other kid. Very casual swimming, I didn't do the competitive thing at all. But I read an article once that caught my attention about how a competitive swimmer is trained. 
One of the things that can happen to a competitive swimmer is that when they dive in, their goggles can fall off or be, become not properly adjusted, but they cannot stop the race and do anything about it. And we know that the greatest decorated Olympian of all time is Michael Phelps, the swimmer. The article I read indicated that one of the medals he won, he won it with his goggles all filled up with water. He said he dove in, he was swimming, yet he could not see a thing. The only thing he could remember was how many strokes it was to the wall and how many strokes it was back. And he said in this article, I remembered that my coach used to loosen my goggles every once in a while just a little bit without me knowing it when I was in training. The purpose of that was so that when I did jump in the water, the water would fill up my goggles and I couldn't see. The coach was doing that to get Michael Phelps ready for any mishap that might happen in an actual race. His coach put him in every possible situation that might try to deter, deter him from winning a race and teaching him how to overcome that situation and keep going. So that when he did jump in and conditions were not perfect, he knew exactly what to do. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So when the goggles became foggy, or filled up with water, he knew to count how many strokes because his coach had told him when the things happen that you aren't expecting and you weren't planning on and your situation is not perfect, I'm gonna give you exactly what you need to get to the wall. When you dive in and it's not great, you've been through a curriculum that has taught you and prepared you and prepared you and prepared you for this. You can make it and you can win. When that happens to you, no need to get crazy. No need to panic. Expect that kind of stuff to happen. Struggles will come. Goggles will fall off. They will fill up with water. You won't be able to see. Things will happen, but that does not stop you one bit from the goal that you have in mind. You can still finish this race. And let's all understand today that in this Christian life, people will promise you something and not deliver. You will have a butter and oil man in your life. People that you trust will betray you and become untrustworthy. And I promise you, there will become a time when you are falsely accused and may have to pay the consequences for it, but you can do all of that. You can endure all of that and still be right in the center of the will of God for your life and do exactly what God wants you to do just because the goggles have filled up and you can't see ahead doesn't mean you can't still keep going forward so when the day comes that your goggles fill up just remember that you expected that day you've been prepared for this day because one Sunday morning at Bethesda an old preacher told you exactly what to do just keep on swimming till you get there Why is this course in God's school? Why is it required curriculum? What does it produce in you? It produces a greater trust in God and it takes our eyes off of men. Oh, Pastor Dan, we're Christians here, we're believers. We can have such a propensity to put our trust in everything around us. We start believing our circumstances. We start believing all this. 
and our trust becomes very, very horizontal. And even though we know better, we forget that our real trust is to be this way. Because the truth, it is still true that some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Joseph faced it with his brothers. Jesus faced it with Judas. I'll talk about that more in just a minute. Paul faced it in 2 Timothy with Alexander the coppersmith. Read about that this afternoon. But Bethesda, here's what we must always remember. Even though the lessons are hard, and even as I say this, my heart is reaching out to so many of, many of you I've spoken with even this week. Even when the curriculum seems tough, do not let hard lessons harden your heart. Do not let difficult circumstances allow your heart to become crusty and hard. You know, church, there are great balances in life. I never like to believe it, though I know it's true. Things like this, learn this the hard way. I may be offended, but to that same measure, I have also offended others. I may feel hurt and wounded, and you may even see me on a day when I look like I feel hurt and wounded, but to that same measure, I have hurt and wounded others. Anytime I feel hurt, wounded, offended, I always have to remember that I have also inflicted hurt, wounding, and offense on others to probably at least the measure that I have felt it has been inflicted on me. And as this applies to our text today, we know this to be true. Any one of us in this place can not only be betrayed and meet the butter and oil man with his buttery speech and his oily words, but it is also true that any one of us can also be a betrayer. We are all capable of leaking out information that we should have kept to ourselves. In, and if it might, uh, in that moment, make us look better or feel better in someone else's eyes, we'll do it. The fact remains, when we gossip, when we pass along information about others, it says much more about us than it does about the one we're talking about. Do you need me to repeat that or did you, did you hear it? When we gossip, it says a whole lot more about us than it does the person we're gossiping about. Let me use this moment to pivot this whole thing and turn it around. I'm not much of a moviegoer, a watcher. You could probably count on one hand the movies we've been to in the last few years. I don't watch them at home. I watch even very little TV. I'm certainly not the movie person that Dr. Marty is who knows every sci-fi movie ever made and finds a way to work one of them into every sermon she preaches. <laughs> but if you force me to say what kind of movie intrigues me the most, I'd have to say that what I really enjoy is a really well done, really good whodunit movie. You were hoping I would say historical document, docu uh, documentary, something like that. No, I'm okay. No, I love a great whodunit movie that has that great shocking surprise twist that catches everyone off guard. And, and, and do you know who the ultimate butter and oil man, woman is? Do you know who the ultimate 
betrayer is? It's humanity. It's you. It's me. There's a historical book about the catching of one of the um, great criminals of World War II. His name is Adolf Eichmann. He was responsible for millions of deaths in the concentration camp. When you read about the Holocaust hearings in Nuremberg, it says this. One of the Holocaust survivors, Yehiel Danur, a Jewish writer whose books were inspired by his time spent as a prisoner in the concentration camp. Mr. Danur witnessed the trial of Adolf Eichmann, him, the man who was responsible for millions of deaths. Danur entered the courtroom at Nuremberg. When he did, he stared at Eichmann, who was behind a bulletproof glass. The man who had presided over the slaughter of millions was hushed in the courtroom as Danur, a victim, confronted that savage, brutal man for the very first time. And something extremely interesting happened. At that moment, Danur began to sob, and he sobbed, and he sobbed, and he finally collapsed on the floor of the courtroom. He didn't collapse out of anger or bitterness. He explained later in an interview that what struck him was this. He says at the instant that he looked at the man who was responsible for millions of deaths, Denor said, I was afraid about myself because I saw that I am capable of doing this very same thing. I could become him. How is it possible for a man to act as Eichmann acted, the reporter asked. Was he a monster, a madman, or was he perhaps something even more terrifying, or was he normal? And Denur, in a moment of chilling clarity, saw the skull beneath the skin, and he said these words. Eichmann, he concluded, and this was the shock for him when he saw him, is in all of us. I could do this very thing. Of all the betrayers of history, no one stands out more than Judas Iscariot, the man who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But I want you to note something very interesting that I don't know that I paid that much attention to before. When Jesus said at the Last Supper, one of you will betray me, it is interesting to note that nobody, according to records that we have, Nobody said, is it Judas? After all, every painting of the Last Supper that you and I have ever seen has Judas portrayed with a bag of money in his hand and a very evil, demonic look on his face. That's how it's portrayed to us. But the truth is, nobody was looking at Judas according to Scripture. Nobody did that. Everyone in the room said to Jesus, what? Lord, is it I? They were examining themselves because they seemed to know that betrayal, the butter and oil man or woman, is in every one of us. Bethesda, please listen to me this morning. Before we look at anyone else as the butter and oil man, before we loudly proclaim how betrayed we have been, before we look at them and say, are you going to betray me? Are you going to tell on me? Are you going to do evil against me? We must examine our own hearts. 
It's interesting that we all seem to have 20-20 vision about everyone else and blinders about ourselves. Can I get one amen? His speech, smoother than butter. His words, softer than oil. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Butter. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I will be a doer of your word, not just a hearer only. Words softer than oil. I'll be faithful in prayer. I will be committed to your church. I'll be faithful to my marriage. I'll not be easily offended. But then God discovers that our heart is at war. And those smooth, soft words are like swords that are drawn. It's you. You. I would never, would never have dreamed it would be you. We, we've been together. We sang in the choir together. It's you. That's in you. I would never thought it would be you. You deal with that before the Lord as you will. Let me bring this back to David because we see a very human reaction to discovering his betrayal. Verse 6 of 55, he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Such a human reaction. I would hasten to my place of refuge from the stormy wind and tempest. How many times have you and I said, I'm out of here. I want out of here. I'm going to get out of that church. In fact, I'm going to get out of this whole, I've been so hurt and wounded by others, I'm going to get out of this whole Christianity. If that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. But later in the chapter, something begins to happen. And here's where we see that David will not let someone's words define him, but rather he would allow the situation to refine him. How did David grow through this situation and not just go through this situation. And the question comes to you and me. How will you grow through the situation you're facing and not just go through the situation you're facing? Psalm 55, verse 16. As for me, I shall call upon God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon... I will complain and murmur. I'm on a gripe morning, noon, and night. Hello? Read it. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur. But the amazing thing is, and he will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. For they are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits enthroned from of old, Selah, with whom there is no change. Three quick things as I bring this to a close, which is not your cue to get up and leave. Verse 17 is very telling to us about David's relationship with God. Very telling to us. Morning, noon, and night, I'm going to complain. 
and the Lord hears my voice. I mean, not just once. It's pretty much all day long. Can I just say, church, isn't it amazing that we have that kind of God who knows us? He knows our frame. He knows our thoughts. He knows our feelings. He knows what we're going through. He knows how we're responding. to. He knows all about it. And even with all of that, with our human propensity to want to complain and murmur, he does not distance himself even in our approach to him when we display that humanity. So the lesson here, if you want to get rid of your propensity to gossip about people, then talk, to, then talk about people to God and watch what happens. Second thing in verse 18, David says, redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. Here's the note for us. Did you know you can be in a battle and still be at peace? You can be right in the midst of a storm and be at peace. Because peace is not the absence of fighting. Peace is what God puts inside of your soul as you are going through it. That was really good, Dan, really good. <laughs> peace is not the absence of fighting. Peace is what God puts inside of your soul. Bad stuff can be happening all around you, but God gives a peace that passes what? How much? Someone told me about a documentary that was filmed about four cancer patients where they took cameras and filmed the last four months of their life. They were hoping to learn something about the human condition when one learns that they have just about four months or so left to live. They watched as one person went from puzzlement to anger. Another one of them went from anger to fear. But the one that stood out to them and surprised them was this little old preacher from Mississippi. And while the other three were growing angry and bitter, this little old preacher from Mississippi kept getting better and better in his outlook as he got closer and closer to his earthly departure. The last time that he was in church, he was asked if he had anything to say to the people. And he was helped up to the front and with his body filled with cancer, the peace inside of him was not daunted whatsoever. And in front of the 60, 70 people in that congregation, the only words he had were these. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground and just when they thought he was finished they thought well that that's about all he's going to have be able to say he took another breath and he said my heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay though some may dwell where those abound my prayer my aim is higher ground lord lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land a higher plane than i have found lord plant my feet on higher ground bethesda that's called peace in the midst of the storm Brent, where are you? Third lesson we see from David when he was processing being betrayed, we find in verse 19. He's declaring that he will trust in God who is enthroned from of old and with whom there is no change. There's a great theological word that we use to talk about that. It's called immutable, which basically means that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me tell you something. The butter and oil people will come and go in your life. Because in case you haven't discovered this, some people are passing through. Passing through. Some people are putting down roots. May God give us all the discernment 
to respond appropriately when someone's just passing through. And when someone's putting down roots in your life. But you can absolutely count on the fact that Jesus is the one who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your response. He will not. He is the, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And then David ends with these words. Psalm 55, verse 21. His speech was smoother. I introduced you at the beginning, but this is how he ends the psalm. His speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. The, his words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. So verse 22 comes right after that, right after that. David does a magnificent job time and time again for us, being so honest and so real and so artsy and so all of that. He, he just puts it all right out there for us, but then he knew how to turn it on a dime. But cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Somebody ought to raise a hallelujah for that this morning. Come on. David's response was, and our response can be, God, you take care of him or her. I am not going to allow vengeance to live inside of me. Can't afford it, not gonna do it. And every time their name or their face comes before me, I'm gonna cast it upon you, saying, Lord, you deal with him. Lord, you deal with her. That's the only way we're gonna do it, and it's the lesson we have from Psalm 55. Would you stand as we pray, please? Would you just lift your hands? Let's be the people of the lifted hands for just a couple of minutes here as we bring this service to a close. God, we've all faced it, people who betrayed us. But we're thankful for your word this morning through King David that reminds us to cast our burden upon you, and you will give us the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, as we approach this subject, we have to also acknowledge that we have often been the one who has betrayed you. We've made commitments we've not kept. We've been disobedient to your word. But we are so grateful to know that even when we have been faithless, you remain faithful. Help us today to not be the person who's simply passing through your kingdom. Oh God. Let us be the people who put down roots and the people who will flourish in the house of God. Because we put down roots in the house of God. But this will only happen, our Father, as you help us. As we ask for your help, we are thankful to say and to know that our help comes from the Lord. And by the way, he's the one who made the heavens and the earth. And he's the sovereign God. We pray this prayer in the mighty name of King Jesus the Christ. And the church said, Amen. Amen.